don't get anything else out of today, take that message with you. The blood of Jesus can make any and all of us clean. Thank you for that. The title to this morning's message is Into the Fire. Into the Fire. Last week we discussed the challenges of waiting. We used the example of the Jews who grew tired of waiting for Moses to come off the mountain and then demanded Aaron to make a golden calf so they could worship it as their God. Then we talked about uh, Abraham, the man who could not wait, and his wife Sarah, who implemented, implemented a plan of their own to provide Abraham with that heir by impregnating Sarah's maid, Hagar. We threw in a few of our own annoying concerns, like standing in lines, and many of us agreed we don't enjoy waiting. Well, our friend John, the bear couple, uh, listened to our message on Facebook, and he sent me a text. He wanted to add a few things. He wanted us to add traffic lights. 
and doctor visits and drivers who pull out in front of us only to slow us down and impede our progress. But the Bible tells us that we'll be rewarded if we wait. Last week we quoted Isaiah 40, 31. It reads, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And therein lies the secret. We're told to wait on the Lord. We cited the obedience of Simeon, waiting with expectation to meet the Christ child in the flesh, simply because the Holy Spirit told him that he would. We pointed at Jesus commanding his 120 disciples to wait in that upper room in Jerusalem until they received a gift promised by the Father. And the gift he promised was a gift of the Holy Spirit. I made the comparison of a football team waiting in the, in the tunnel, excited to enter that playing field, anxious to do what they do best. And I suggested that in 2024, our focus should be on Christ's promise of returning. And we should walk out of the tunnels of our house just like those football players. We should be excited. We should be fired up. We should be confident and hopeful. And I made a promise that I was going to start greeting each day like Simeon. That I would live each day with the joy and hope of seeing Christ in the flesh until he does make his triumphant return or call me home before that. But before I can do that, I have to come out of my tunnel. So before any of us can do that, we have to come out of our tunnels. Enough with the mentality of we're getting ready to get ready. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we must be willing to go into the fire. It means we wear our faith like the badge of honor that it is every single time we leave our house. It means our love for Christ is not only evident on Sundays or on Christmas service or during Easter service, but each and every minute of every single day. It means we become bold enough to denounce the world when they suggest there are many ways to heaven. It means we recognize our own sins, our own faults, and we work on our own repentance instead of judging other people. And it means calling out people when they take our Father's name in vain. I know that's a tough one because so many people seem to do it freely and frequently. But there's a way we can voice our displeasure in a loving way. And if, and if we correct somebody for taking the Lord's name in vain, sometimes you create an awareness in that. And who knows where that seed may grow or how large that seed may grow. Maybe they'll end up with their own relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to stop worrying about hurting people's feelings when their actions or words conflict with our beliefs. We should always be nice to people. But we need to take a stand. Remember that Christian baker who refused to make a cake to celebrate that couple's same-sex marriage? He was vilified. His name was smeared all over national news for years before he was finally, 
before he finally won his day in court. And then after that, I didn't know that till I just did this research, the government took him back to court again with another lawsuit because he refused to bake a cake for a transgender celebration. He almost lost his business. And not because he was homophobic, not because he was transphobic, not because he hated those people. He almost lost his business because he was determined to stand on his belief and he walked into the fire. 2024 cannot be a year of sitting on our hands. 2024 cannot be the year of just keeping our mouths closed with our hands or covering our eyes when we see or hear an injustice concerning Christianity. This nation is spoiled. We become complacent when it comes to persecution because we haven't experienced the atrocities the rest of the world suffers. And you won't see this on the news very often. Because see, in the world's view, it's okay to persecute a Christian, but God help you if it's a Muslim or, or anybody outside of Christianity. Everything else is blown up on TV over and over and over. We're inundated with what's happening. But if it's a Christian, it gets buried. So I'm going to help you today. According to the Christian Daily International Morning Star News, terrorists massacred 160 people in Nigeria just a few weeks ago. Many of them were preparing for church Christmas programs. Now, be honest, who's heard, who heard that? Two, two people. Two people heard that. 160 people were murdered. And two people, three. Three people heard that. Four. Four. I got four over here, four. I got five. I got five over here. Okay. Those attacks began Saturday night, Christmas Eve. I'm sorry. That would have been Sunday night here. Anyway, the attacks began at night, Christmas Eve, and continued through Christmas Day. Slaughtering those people. According to the news, the largest number of those murdered were women, children, and the elderly because they couldn't run away fast enough. In addition to those killed, over 500 were wounded during that slaughter. Hundreds of homes were burned as a warning to those who dare to profess Christ as their Savior. The news is quoted here. These terrorists who attacked these Christian communities were in the hundreds. And they carried out the attacks as the hapless Christians were preparing for Christmas programs lined up by their pastors. The truth is, every single one of those victims knew the dangers they were facing in celebrating Christ's life. But they did it anyway. According to the World Watch List, Nigeria led the world in Christians killed for their faith in 2022. 5,000 people were killed. 5,000 Christians were killed in Nigeria in 2022 alone. Anybody hear that? The group called Intersociety estimates that roughly 50,000 50,000 Christians have been butchered or hacked to death for being Christians. 
in the West African nation between 2009 and 2022. Surely all those people knew this. And yet they stood up for Christ and walked into the fire. They are aware of those numbers. They were aware of the danger that was involved, yet they chose to walk into the fire for Jesus Christ. According to the watch group Open Doors, religious freedom is shrinking globally, and the persecution of Christians is at the highest it's ever been in three decades. Not going to see that on the news. I believe the enemy knows his time is almost done. I think he foolishly believes that he can eradicate the faithful or at least intimidate us from spreading the good news. Well, apparently he didn't read the whole Bible. Maybe he just read the parts he agreed with, which unfortunately a lot of Christians do. They only read the part of the Bible that they agree with. They pick and choose which verses they want to obey. Even Pope Francis is quoted as saying, there are still those, and there are many of them, who suffer and die to bear witness to Jesus, just as there are those who are penalized at various levels for the fact of acting in a way consistent with the gospel, following the Bible, and those who strive every day to be faithful without ado to do their good duties, and the world jeers and preaches otherwise. Trends show that countries in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East are intensifying persecution, persecution against Christians. And according to the news, the most vulnerable are Christian women. Now you may be thinking that those countries are you know, far away from us and that we're insulated from persecutions in this good old USA. But you'd be wrong. According to BeliefNet, Christian persecution is happening right here at home on our own soil. Now, while it may not be the level of beheadings or, or burned down churches, it's still a problem, and it's growing nationally. Traditional Christians are facing increasing intolerance in this country through the fines, lawsuits, jobs lost, public disdain. There's still a push to re remove all traces of God from our government and our schools, and it's been going on for many, many years. Remember the teacher in New Jersey that was suspended for giving a student a Bible. But yet we can have pornographic children's books in that same school library. Remember the football coach in Washington that was placed on leave for saying a prayer on the football field at the end of the game. Yet we can march the streets of this country and pray, if you will, death to Israel. Our Pledge of Allegiance has been repeatedly brought up that the saying, under God, needs to be taken from the text. Our money has, in God we trust. I can't tell you how many times I read they're still fighting to have that removed from our money. But here's the problem. We have elected officials who don't believe in Jesus. And if you pay attention, there were a large, large number of them that even refused to place their hand on the Bible when they were sworn in. 
Several placed their hand on the Koran, the Muslim Bible. Some placed their hands on comic books. Anybody know that one? All right. And here's the nastiest one that just happened. One elected official just placed their hand and took the oath on a stack of pornographic children's books. And they were proud to do it. What has happened to our country? How can we expect those elected leaders to make laws or govern our nation based on our original Judeo-Christian principles when they don't even hold those beliefs that our country was founded upon? And don't get me started on the 8 million illegal aliens we've allowed to cross our borders. Remember, they're not coming from Christian nations. They're coming with their own beliefs. And they're integrating our country. They're integrating our cities. And when, when, when that population gets big enough and it comes voting time, do you think they're going to vote a Christian in to make rules and laws? Of course not. They're going to follow their original teachings. How long will it be until they push to change our Christian moral compass? Christians attending colleges throughout the country are constantly demeaned, debased, and targeted for their beliefs. And the most recent one, targeted because they refuse to identify more than the two genders that God created. Amen? Colleges are poisoning the minds of our young adults who will one day be old adults who will, may one day hold elected positions. So we poison their minds when they're young get them to believe and buy into the nonsense, and they get old enough to run for government office, they've lost all their Christian morals. They're going to vote that way. That should give Christians even more reason to walk into the fire and to make a stand for Christ. I don't know if you know Jenna Ellis, but I love her. She's a constitutional attorney. A little bit on the outs right now, a little bit, but she said if Christians are always on the defensive, then we're going to continue to lose ground. If we're always on the defensive, we're going to continue to lose ground. She said we have to be also making sure that we're standing up and we're standing forward. And I'll add and walking into the fire, if you will. We need more people willing to move out of their tunnels and into the fire if and when it's needed. So we're going to go back to today's scripture for a minute. And it's a funny, you hear me say a lot, funny, not funny, funny, but how some of these messages come, right? You've heard me meeting with Mark and Sue Jones and all of a sudden a series came up about connected to the well, right? The Lord just feeds me and puts, sometimes he puts, well, this happened to come out of wreck. I had sent Rick some bonus extra curricular reading material, and it was today's scripture reading. And I, he thought it was for, a couple of weeks ago, he thought it was for to read in church. And uh, so 
he practiced and practiced, had his wife teach him what the word, how to pronounce the words, and they went back and forth. But he came to me to have a discussion because he wanted to really fully understand the scripture before he read it to y'all, right? I mean, anybody can just get up and recite, but Rick, Rick wanted to understand what the scripture was. So we got to sit and talk about what it meant and who, you know, who the fourth person was and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, look at the goosebumps. All of a sudden it hit me and I said, all right, we're going to have to do, have to do a message on into the fire. Rick, as the Lord puts it on my heart as things happen, as true things happen, so that's pretty cool. That's how this started. So we go back to today's scripture for a minute. And, and I, I cautioned Rick about this. And I'll caution you. So it's easy to make the assumption that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into that fire, fiery furnace knowing, knowing without a doubt, that God would protect them. But that's not what scripture said. Tell me to wipe my beard out? No. Okay. You know how people will do this to you a few times? You're like... I'm just, guys over here going crazy. <laughs> All right, so I'm okay. That's why we don't do it online. That's why we don't do live streaming. So if we turn back to verses 16 to 17, and that discussion that uh, ensued with the king, right? the king had just asked them which God would save them from the furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you on this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able, right? He's certainly able. He's able to deliver us out of your hand, O king. But now here's what we need to pay attention to, right? We see the next verse, verse 18. They didn't know for sure that they were going to be saved. They were just telling the king that our God is able to save us. And then they finished with this. But if not, right? Did you miss that when you read, when you read the scripture? He's able to save us from that. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Powerful. But if not, telling me they didn't know what was going to happen when they walked into that fiery furnace. Because it would be easy to say, well, they knew God was going to protect them. They walked into the furnace. But they didn't. They didn't. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not go into that fiery furnace knowing they were going to come back out. No, they went into that fiery furnace having faith in God. Faith that he could save them if that was God's plan. But more importantly, they had faith that no matter which way it went, God's will would be done. That's where their faith was. And it's important to point out because it's, it's easy to gloss over that when we, when we read the account. Just like Daniel going into the lion's den. Come on. He didn't know he was going to win. David and Goliath. He believed he could. He had faith that he could. See, their faith was on trial in this story. These three, their faith was on trial and it's critical. Critical to understand. It's not called faith if we already know the outcome of our actions. You, you follow me? That's not faith. Hebrew 11.1. 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. That's faith. If they knew what the outcome was, there's no faith there. Simply put, the biblical definition of faith is trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove. He didn't know what was going to happen to them. Daniel 3, 19 through 30 gives us the result of their faith. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. In expression, his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But, but I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. God's will was done because three men were brave enough to go into the fire for their Lord. It's important to say again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not stay in the tunnel. They could have stayed in the tunnel and worshipped that stupid gold beast. Instead, they literally ran out and ran into the fire, not knowing if they would be unharmed. They stepped out in faith. They let go and let God. They did not fear that could, which can kill the body, but not kill the soul. Now, we may never face the extreme danger that they did, but we can use their example to willingly step out into the fire every day in our own lives. I'm sure most of us, most of us have heard that saying, don't talk politics, or don't talk religion. I've been told that many times, not just as a pastor. Many times in my life, we don't talk politics. We don't talk religion. I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to say it again today. Those are the two things we should focus on every single day in our lives. Politics affects our flesh and religion affects our eternity. It affects our souls. Why would we not talk about the two things that affect us in this life and the next life? Because the enemy doesn't want us to. Those are the two things 
we should be talking about. And when somebody tells you we shouldn't be, you should walk out of your tunnel, walk into the fire, and tell them, if those aren't the two most important things in life, then what is? Because a bad decision in the government affects me, affects my family, my loved ones, my friends. Tell me what's more important. The government's decisions affect my school, affects the education of my children growing up. Why wouldn't we talk about politics? And of course, why not talk about religion when we can have people experience the same two testimonies we heard where they've carried grudges all their lives and were free because they forgave. Not to mention bring them to Jesus so they can have eternal life. Don't talk politics or religion. How has that worked out for our country? I'd venture to say not very well. We need more of that. We must be willing to step out of our tunnels and onto the playing field of our proverbial lives, whatever that might look like in our own lives. Each of our lives are different. The Bible tells us that Christians are to obey human law, Rick, except where human law violates God's law. Our first, our supreme duty is to obey God. And since God tells us to obey human laws, we should, Rick. But when they come in conflict, we're to obey God rather than men, as Peter said in Acts 5.29. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the choice to obey God. They refused to worship the beast as King Nebuchadnezzar demanded. Now, the Bible warns us. Some of us will face that very same choice during the end times. But instead of a fiery furnace, we'll be threatened with beheaded for not worshiping the beast. I pray through God's grace that if it happens in our lifetime, that we're able to stand in faith the same way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. But until then, we can increase our own faith. We can witness to God's greatness every day in our lives if we commit to stepping into each and every fire that the world confronts us with. Jesus told us in John 16, that he has overcome the world. Through him, we can too. Through his strength. And the reward is worth it. The Bible promises us. Overcomers will eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Overcomers will not be hurt by the second death. Overcomers will receive hidden manna and a white stone with a new name. Overcomers will be clothed in white garments and their names will not be removed from the book of life. Jesus will confess our names before the Father and his angels. And overcomers will sit down with Jesus on his throne. Praise God. But until then, we have work to do. Mark 16, 15 commands us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I end today's message with a question. Are we, are we willing to step into the fire each and every day and proclaim the gospel, show the love of Christ, not only through our words, but more importantly, through our action, no matter how hot it gets? I pray that we all can. We moved to communion this morning, and I'm going to do something just a little bit different. So, if you 
we're going we're gonna to go through the reading and the response, but I want to play the song before you come forward. So we're going to play one song, then I'll have, uh, whose turn is it? Who's turn? Then I'll have uh, them come up and administer, okay? So if you would turn to page 15. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so, with your people on earth, and all the company of heaven, we praise your name, and join their unending hymn. Polar, you and blessed was your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things and the rich you send empty away. Your own Son came among us as a servant, to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water in the Spirit. On the night which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast in his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor 
and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So, just a reminder before we play the song, this table is open to everybody. It doesn't matter if you've accepted Jesus Christ yet or not. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic. It doesn't matter if you're Presbyterian. It doesn't matter if you're Methodist. It doesn't matter. This table, Christ died for all of us. This table is open for all of us. The only thing I ask is during the communion is that we're quiet. To use this time to reflect on our lives, to reflect on the sacrifice of Christ. If we need forgiving, we pray for forgiveness. If we just want to praise him in our you know, silent prayers, we praise him in our silent prayers. The altar is always open after communion or even before, during the song. doesn't matter. You're, nobody's going to laugh at you. If you want to come up to the, to the altar and, and kneel it before the cross, come to the altar and, and talk to Jesus, okay? So let's play this song even right after the song again.
Come to the table and be set free this morning. God didn't give up. We, we want that just lightly. That's why I don't do break the Bible in control. <laughs> Didn't give up on me, and he's not going to give up on anybody else in here today. Come to the table, please.